Hello folks, welcome to another episode of Wine Flight. We have a very special guest today. Who have we got, Sophia? Today we have Simon Rollings and he's the CEO and founder of the Canned Wine Company. Founder slash co-founder. <laughs> 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 because the other co-founder might be around. <laughs> yeah, he might be in the room. Anyway, hello Simon, hello, welcome. Hi Ben, hi Sophia. <laughs> hi. Um, so welcome to Wine Flight. So um, tell us a bit about how you started Can Wine Co. And why did you start Can Wine Co? Uh, good question. It came out of meeting um, my co-founder, Ben. <laughs> um, oh, it's you! Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, we met at a chocolate and wine tasting, um, which was a bit of a... It was an interesting evening because I was there having fun with my uh, then fiancé, now wife. Mm -hmm. And um, everyone else was there because they were all industry people. So they were all taking it really seriously. Um, so Ben was the only person that we actually struck up a conversation with uh -huh. that evening. Um, and then kind of relationship grew from there. So we learned more about novel wines, more about the weird and wacky stuff that Ben does. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing led to another and I ended up launching a business with him. Uh, okay. Where, I mean, what was it exactly? We were talking... Well, the Bath Racecourse about alternative packaging. Yeah, a few things came off, I think. I think I kept talking about the American market for yep. cans, and you kept saying you wanted to do a food and drink idea and something, and you wanted to do a startup, and you were thinking about lots of different things. And um, yeah, and then we just think the reality was you went to a festival, there was the Bath Racecourse, there was lots of stuff that kind of wanted. All came together at mm. yeah, exactly the same time. Yeah. And then, yeah, like most things in what stuff the wine where trade, give it go. those experiences where they had canned wine or they didn't have canned wine? Or there was no canned wine and you were like, before it happened. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely with the festival. So we went to a music festival at the Pig Hotel, which is quite a posh hotel. And um, their music festival is kind of as much about food and drink as it is about mm -hmm. music. Um, but the wine option there was not particularly exciting. It was glass bottle, single-use plastic cup, mm. about £13 a glass or something right. uh, in 2019. Uh, and I remember just thinking at the time and, and having, you know, spoken with Ben and, and there with Lisa, we were like, we could do something mm -hmm. better than what they're offering that works in this context. And it kind of, it started as a festival idea, but moved quite quickly into, we should do really, really exciting wine, really interesting wine, things that people hadn't tried before. We kind of made this assumption that if people would make the leap of going into a can, they'd make the leap of trying a Gruner Veltliner or That's cool. a Saint Laurent or something. So going a bit weird and wacky with it and really pushing the boundaries when... At the time, there was just nothing. There was either nothing there, or what was there was just really poor quality and mm -hmm. not very interesting. Cool. What's behind the design of your cans? Because they're they're really beautiful. They're like really colourful. Like they're textured. Um, yeah. How did you uh, land on those designs? Yeah. So I mean, what we wanted to do was make premium wine much easier for people to to try and to understand. So again, kind of this fairly large assumption that wine is quite difficult for people to understand. If you speak to someone about wine, they go, oh, I like wine, but I'm not an expert, especially mm. if you know about wine. They're kind of even more like, but I don't really know anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but people love wine and they drink it. So what we want to do is take away this idea of green glass bottle, white label, mm -hmm. and a kind of assumption that you should know what it's gonna taste like, where it comes from, what the wine's about, um, and just make it easier for people. So. All the labels are kind of based off tasting notes of the wine to try and help 
communicate without having to ever try the wine and you had, what it is you got a designer drinking. on board like someone that you had seen the work of or yeah so we work with a guy called neil tully he's a master of wine based in bath and um, obviously he knows wine that's kind of his job and so they specialize in wine packaging design they do uh, waitrose own label and, and all oh. sorts of different things as well awesome and i do like that idea of like um if people are taking that leap of faith on different packaging, then they also might be open-minded to more unusual grape varieties. Because I think potentially in the alternative format space, people think the other way. They think, well, if they're going to go for a different packaging option, maybe we'll play it safe with a safe grape variety like a Merlot or a Chardonnay or something like that. So I, I really like your thinking there, like that it makes sense actually. Oh, yeah. I really don't know in this conversation whether to say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, everyone likes a thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I think the interesting thing about putting those grape varieties in was it was going to always differentiate the new project from what anyone else in the same trend was going to do because you would have people enter the market for the easy wins. So from day one, Cam Wineco was always different. Mm. And I think that was quite positive. And it put us ahead of the game straight away. And we stayed there, hopefully. Oh. Yes. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well so that done. was 2019. So we're, we're um, kind of three and a half years later now. And did the pandemic help sales in, in the sense that I know that I was picnicking with friends like more than ever because we couldn't meet each other indoors. So we were getting quite innovative and <laughs> well, innovative, inventive with like meeting up in the forest, which sounds really dodgy, but I live by the forest at the time. Meeting up on parks and the green and, and canned wine was like awesome for all of that. So basically, yeah, the question is, did, did it help? the pandemic help sales? I don't think it helped sales. Okay. Um, but it opened people up to the idea of it mm -hmm. for that reason. They were going out and, you know, social distancing and outdoor dining and everything became more of a, more of a thing. I don't think it helped because we didn't have any retail footprint at all at that point in time. Uh, so it wasn't like people could just go in and, and buy it. So it was all online. What it did mean is that we kind of started with wine merchants because they were essential and remain essential. So they had to stay open throughout the pandemic. Um, yeah. So that's where we kind of got Key our work, initial traction. <laughs> um, but it did help. <laughs> yeah, an essential service. <laughs> exactly. It, it helped in other ways. So it gave us kind of a free year where there was no expectation that we'd sell anything. So we had it probably another 12 to 18 months at the beginning of the business where we could just learn more and, and do, the, do the wine better, do marketing better, do the messaging better, do Instagram better. And I think it gave us that breathing space. And then kind of coming out the pandemic, all the companies that had shut or closed their doors were reviewing what they were doing and how they'd been doing things. So mm. kind of after the pandemic, I think, it helped because one of our first big major customers was the National Trust and we replaced the Rothschilds, mm -hmm. which I like as a bit of PR. <laughs> um, so they had the, the Rothschilds wines and, and they'd had them for a very Amazing. long time and they'd never thought to change them. But kind of the pandemic brought that hard stop that meant they started revisiting wow. all these different things. So. And as a founder, mm. launching your business and then basically immediately having <laughs> the pandemic and everything shut up. Yeah. How did you deal with that? Because it's your first startup, right? Yeah, first as like, in proper that you, that you I founded. founded. Yeah, um, I panicked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, so I handed in my notice on my job in like, I think the 21st of January and it was two months notice. Oh. So my final day on my job was the 21st of March, <laughs> which was the Friday and then lockdown was Monday. So <laughs> it was like, shit. Wow, do or die. We're all adults. I suppose, yeah, it's for over right? <laughs> yeah. um, So yeah, like, um, uh, the initial thing was I just panicked and, and didn't know what to do. And it was like, we've just produced all this stock and we don't know how long it's going to last. We don't know anything about it at this point in time because we just made it. There was no way of selling it because everything was closed. Um, everyone was piling into Facebook. So, you know, advertising was really expensive. We didn't have any money because we just started. So, yeah, it was um, it was kind of real panic for the first few weeks, I think. But the sun was out, so I was mm -hmm. panicking in the garden <laughs> at least, um, yeah. in the sun which was okay uh, and then and a little then bit of wine to drink well yeah, like, yeah <laughs> tons of it to drink um and then uh things started happening so people started reacting we, we got a bit of grant funding from bath university to pay for uh like display advertising on facebook which just helped get some people through the website and it just started kind of picking up but there was definitely the temptation just to give up at that point because mm. it was so early the flip side was there was nothing else I could do because <laughs> everything was yeah. closed so um it just meant I just could spend all my time on it and and try and make it work at That's that point cool. and before you became a co-founder of a wine business how into wine were you like would you call yourself were you a wine lover were you kind of you know a, a massive wine consumer like yeah what did you... I'd say I was a foodie yeah. to start with and then wine comes like with that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I kind of really got into wine when I went to Puglia mm -hmm. um, for the first time and kind of tried Primitivo the, there and had nice. it with you know, amazing focaccia and, and all the things that they make, stracciatella cheese. And, and it yeah. was just like, wow, this is amazing. Big fan um, of Puglia over here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were. Uh, so yeah, that, that's kind of what got me into it. But I've always um, been interested in food. I worked at food startups before, and hence I kind of chatted with Ben about wanting to be back in that food and drink space. Um, and wine was just like an obvious step from okay. that. Yeah, so. definitely. It was a good vetting process when Simon did a bit of work for Novel, and we we had the interview, and we went to the Beckford Bottle Shop here in Bath. And I, I, when I go in there, I like to try some different stuff. So I ordered a tasting, and I said to the the guy um, bring us six different wines they bought six full glasses of wine and we got pissed quite quickly um, <laughs> but it's a good bonding process and yeah. gateway to wine right <laughs> yeah the best um, reason to go into business together <laughs> yeah well it. i survived that so um, <laughs> made the cut basically was how that worked <laughs> Uh, so talking about wine, shall we taste something? Shall we see what Probably you think? Should, we? Uh, I feel like you should go second on the white, but first on the red. All right then, okay. so go for it then. So let's start with my white wine. Um, I'm going to give you uh, something I don't think either of you have tried before. This is Pichelli Yapignac, which Ooh, is a... That's fun to say. <laughs> it's a good grape variety, isn't it? So this is from Turkey. Yapignac. Yapignac. Um, yeah, small production. Most of it sells in the US and in Turkey itself. And it's one of the only single varietal Yapanyaks on the market. Um, and I liked it so much when I first tasted it, I bought the entire UK allocation for novel wines. So uh, 
If you like, know like, pressure, there's only say, one person to pull. What a power move! <laughs> so it's got fish on the label. It does have is a it, fish on the label. Is it good with fish? Is that why? Uh, yes. Is that what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, is a, that it's a good fish vine. Um, but yeah, uh, Turkey has uh, one of the widest ranges of indigenous grape varieties anywhere in the world. It's like Italy. There's really? th thousands of them. Yeah. And um, Greece as well. They have. And Greece, loads. yeah, yeah. But we just don't see many of them in the UK. But that, and we're talking about barriers to entry in wine, like in another podcast, like what stops people from discovering wine and enjoying it. And a lot of it is the language around wine and how to pronounce grape varieties, how to pronounce regions. Um, yap and yak, that's easy to pronounce. Yes, it is. Yes. I mean, it doesn't that should help be on more shelves. Spelt yap and cag. <laughs> but yeah, yap and yak is the pronunciation, but... Yeah, I mean, once you've said it a few times, yeah. uh, I think you get used to it. But yeah. a lot of these things, it's it's new. Mm -hmm. And if it got out there and people were drinking it and people were celebrating it, I think it would just become easier. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure at some point we were saying Merlot. Yeah, and Rioja. <laughs> yeah, Rioja, yeah. Jalapeno. Risling and all that sort of thing. Not that Jalapeno. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that Jalapeno is a great... Yeah. But you know, so. Um, yeah. So cheers. Um, cheers. I like the the whites that you go for. I'm starting to learn about them. As in, like you like that real zippy, zingy, fresh. I mean, you you still like. Um, you brought in um, a burgundy white one. Yeah, quite creamy. Did, but yeah. generally, you like your high acidity, really fresh whites. Don't you? I like it when a white does that really nice thing of the ripeness of fruit. So this is turkey, lots of sunshine. You get the fruit, you get the grapefruit, you get a bit of peach, you get that melon element coming through. But it's balanced by almost like a bitter freshness. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking that same bitter freshness, like yeah. um, lemon zest, that yes. zestiness yeah. where you get that bitter oil. It's got some weight to it, though, that oiliness. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So pithiness, salinity, all that kind of volcanic element, I really like. I like it fresh, but depth. Mm -hmm. So careful okay, balance, but okay. I like it, you know? It's more memorable, Balance you know? is key. And wonderful with food. <laughs> Which, if you're going to drink Turkish wine, Turkish mm. tapas, or mm. meze, rather. Mm. Um, it's great. It's cheers. delicious. Cheers, yeah, everyone. You, who knows cheers. the Turkish for cheers? Uh, drink. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't either. Um, Testing you, you lose a point. <laughs> so how does competition work? Uh, you pick a winner, basically. You, you try all four wines, and at yeah. the end, you, you choose your, your favourite favorite of the whole okay. selection. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Um, and see what you think. Um, it really, like the aftertaste is really quite oily, actually. Yeah. Like, you even get. It's much heavier than it tastes. Yeah, that sort of savoury character at the end. Yeah. I think it's kudos to a good winemaker when you can have that depth of character in a wine. Mm. Um, they picked at the right time. They've made it in a way that <clears> showcases <throat> the best of the fruit. And then it's delicious. Yeah, but it's yeah, nice. I, have, it a, I have a type. Uh, it's, it's only <laughs> just start. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah, a bright, fresh, um, yeah. youthful wine. What vintage is it? This is 2020, I believe. 2021. What so. do you think? Is this your style of white? I don't think oh. I have a style. Actually, I, say, I quite like to drink quite widely. Yeah. Um, I like trying new things. Good answer. So, um, <laughs> so do you have... Yeah, I like it. I, you know, I would happily drink that. 
Do you have a favourite can, like a favourite child? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, again, that changes. It changes depending on what I'm eating or what mm. the weather's like. But mm. yes, would be the St. Lawrence. It's kind okay. of the the best all the time. But um, uh, the, I mean, they're all really good. I love your old vine garnacha. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, really love that one. I, I brought it to one of our wine flight episodes. You did, yeah. Ben didn't chip. <laughs> well, what should I say? Well, I think it was better that it was bought by you as opposed to me bringing my own wine. Yeah, I mean, it's. It, I think the cans go down very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of them. I keep rediscovering them because, I mean, I try not to drink the stock, which is like, you know, quite <laughs> good. High on your own supplies. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> So when I That's kind of sign. grab one out the fridge and I have it with dinner and I'm like, oh, I forgot how good this was. That's quite a nice feeling. So I had that with the Gruner yeah. last week uh, and it was great. Actually, Ingrid Bates was saying the same thing, wasn't she? That she yeah. loves her own wines, which is is great. That's what you want. Like you don't want to be making stuff that you don't like. So Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is your favourite part about running the business now? You're three years in. Apart from Things are going well. Yeah, apart from having the best co-founder, obviously. <laughs> uh, well, similar vein to that, I enjoy having a team, uh, yeah. which we obviously didn't have when we started, and that's grown, and we've grown, uh, I think, with a really amazing team that's really passionate and loves the brand, loves what we're doing, and everyone's really bought into it and bought into the kind of bigger concept of where we want to take it and, and grow the company. So I think running... Running with the team is is the nice. answer that's going to get me some. So if someone wants to be part, <laughs> if, so, if someone wants to be part of the team, because a lot of people yeah. who listen to wine and love wine, they a lot of them dream a little bit about getting into the wine trade. What would you look for if you're going to add to your team? Uh, passion, passion for mm-hmm. for uh, wine is that's, like that's, that's, that's a good. Start. That's an easy part, though, right? <laughs> but passion for wine's a given. <laughs> what, what, but well, I think maybe. it really helps, right? Because I would you have to have. Well, I was going to say, what about if you've just got a fresh starter with, like, you know, curiosity? No, no, yeah, curiosity just... or passion to learn, I think, yeah. is the other one. So we, we've had people who uh, joined the company um, who don't like wine or didn't Doesn't like wine before. Doesn't when I'm involved. With it. Yeah, and then <laughs> we get them in and they're kind of absorbed into the culture, which is talking about wine and trying it. Yeah. Trying new things. And we always have samples coming in from suppliers. So everyone gets involved. And, um, yeah, everyone ends up kind of enjoying wine and then spreading that with their friends and things so nice. um yeah the curiosity i think is probably mm. probably key yeah yeah open mind for sure. open wide <laughs> open, wide. <laughs> open, open, open <laughs> wide and have a drink <laughs> talking of which so feel introduce us to your white wine bebo wrong it is uh Rheingau riesling mm. Um, from Kleiner Revoluzza. <laughs> it's really hard to pronounce. Kleiner Revoluzza. 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 I used to work yeah. at Revolution, the vodka bar, yeah. years ago mm. in my uni days. In Bath. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were probably a punter there. I probably was, yeah. But Did you go to Bath? Yeah, Bath's Bath. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's the better. Is that how you know each other? <laughs> no. Okay. No? No, we met uh, in Hungary. There many years on a apart, trip. actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know Sophia looks very young. But... <laughs> <laughs> we met on a trip yeah. in Hungary, yeah. Uh, oh. And then all this came out that we had come from the same place. Mm-hmm. Not literally, obviously. But... Yeah. We're not siblings. <laughs> so, 
I don't know if we're going off topic. When were you working in Revolution? Oh, God. A long time ago. Approximately. Um, before 2010. When were you at university? Were you even born then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first year was 2010. So I probably oh, yeah. quite a bit of depression. Anyway, should we talk about this wine? Yes, yeah. Instead Reasoning. of vodka. Um, so Riesling, I have a real soft spot for Riesling because I used to, before learning about wine, before doing my WSETs, I really was pretty much solely a red wine drinker. Um, and then I fell in love with Alsace Riesling first. Um, but actually, after this is where an example of where you know, the door opens to a whole new world because then I was looking at Riesling from lots of different places. Um, German Riesling, amazing, like Mosul Riesling, fantastic. This is from the Rheingau um, and it is a dry Riesling, um, kind of, I've actually never tried this, but so this is going to be the first time for me as well. Smells lovely. Um, but like. yeah, this is how I choose my wine, I guess. Like I, I look at a grape that I'm familiar with, that I like, um, a good region, so a region with a good reputation. Um, yeah, and and here we go. So uh, what about you, Siren? Do you like Riesling? I do like Riesling, yeah. Um, I just did my WSET and I had Riesling in my blind tasting and I just sat there drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's quite a gift in the Yeah, WSET right, it was amazing. you get that slight petrol on the nose, which isn't, there's a whole um, discussion around that, you know, is it does that mean it's faulty or whatever but that's an obvious characteristic a little bit of petrol which i really like and yeah. lots of people that like riesling actually like that characteristic i like it a lot i think the nice thing about the Biro rung stuff is because they oak age it you get a little bit of oxidation and you get some of that petrol maturity earlier so this is 2018 and it's already there quite a lot mm. yeah. and you get it a lot earlier than you would in stainless steel reason yeah and also Rheingau, so it's heavy, heavier than yeah, classic Yeah, fuller. And I think, I think it's, it's an interesting conversation around that sort of petrol note, because I think some um, more traditional producers from, say, Alsace, because um, like you say, you get that note when it's been aged a little bit, but apparently in New World, say, Australia, um, the reasons that they were producing, they were kind of pushing the that petrol note forward in the younger wines. Yeah. And that's where the confusion came about. Like, should we frown upon this or, you know. That's a very European <laughs> view of the world, isn't it? <laughs> like, oh, they're doing it faster than hmm. us. We should frown upon it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, also as a consumer, drinking petrol sounds horrible, right? Yeah, exactly. So why is it nice? You, you said you like it. Why do you like it? <sighs> Well, you had to try I was a it. kid that actually opened the window at petrol stations. <laughs> <laughs> I do actually They're getting like... high on the fumes, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it's like um, the fact that it's not petrol, <laughs> like, and, and it's, it's kind of like a fresh, um, slightly sweet smell, but it isn't a slightly herbaceous smell, maybe. Um, but... And that's why it sort of plays off against that it's not sweet or it's not herbaceous, it's really dry. Hmm. Um, so maybe it's something to do with that. I mean, why do you think it's pleasant? I, uh, Riesling is the one grape variety 
that I think it gets a little bit muddied because I hate sexual terms around wine, but I would describe reasoning <laughs> as smelling literally seductive. Oh my God, I wondering why dangerous territory. Ben's seductive right? techniques involve control. <laughs> no, but if, if you walk past <laughs> someone who has a perfume that you just click with and you smell it and you go, wow, okay. It has that. So um, you call it perfumed? Perfume, but the thing about a Riesling is it smells like... I could spend all day sniffing it and I wouldn't care about whether I drink it or not. And there's very mm. few things in wine or anything where I would just sniff it all day long. <laughs> but it's it's a weird kind of almost... It's almost animalistic for me. So I have Ooh. a weird connection with Riesling that is almost animal. <laughs> but even though, yeah, even though it's you know? not an animal smell, yeah. but it's something that but you're attracted it, exactly, to. Exactly. I think it's kind of like almost like resinous. So yeah, when, that's what I meant quite when I said herbaceous. But uh, yeah, resinous is a better word. Because mm. it's the kind of whenever they do a perfume, they put like top notes, they put fruits and stuff on. But there's always yeah, bergamot or woody kind of qualities mm. underneath which is that kind of resin quality that smells mm. really nice yeah and it's quite attractive if yeah. keeping it in that zone like pine resin like fresh yeah pine. or what about um well this is a bit different but you know when you get a really overripe tropical fruit like um i don't know say you're going in down a, in a hot country in a market and it, and that smell when it overripe I and mean, when it goes past the disgusting bit there is sort of like a petrolly smell yeah 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 there is you're right do you first yeah i suppose the whole thing about it is it's kind of unique in the wine world on mm. that front it's almost the so, sometimes things literally. taste good that really shouldn't yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. like blue cheese is just moldy cheese but amazing right yeah. so a brie a yeah. ripe brie oh my god it smells awful but <laughs> it tastes great right. yeah <laughs> like um like my other half of the other day was saying about um we were drinking a red wine but it's a natural wine and he because i re really like his descriptors because he's not in the wine industry so it's, it's really kind of like blunt it's pure <laughs> innocent like descriptors that i really like he's like it smells like nappies. It was like, <laughs> yeah, Lovely, it was like yeah. soiled nappies. <laughs> okay. But but then it tasted nice. <laughs> so, yeah. I feel like soiled nappies is a leap too far for me. I mean, <laughs> petrol is kind of fine, but soiled nappies, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> you might not. You, might not you drink didn't a sip taste the wine. If you tasted it, you'd yeah. see what I what he meant. Maybe. Has <laughs> anyone tried the? Is it fermented herring? Oh, the, the fruit. Mm. Thing. Oh no, the fish. Yeah, yeah, in um, Scandinavia. No, which no. is meant to smell absolutely awful, but I haven't. People uh, eat it. What about it's the fermented eggs? Uh, I think we should stuff? leave fermentation. <laughs> 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 Apart from grapes, yeah. you can do about Gra grapes. Grapes is fine. Grapes anyway, this fine. might go nicely with it. It was why that I was thinking. Mm. What would you have this with? Oh, um, now you're saying like that sort of pickled fish and stuff that could go really well because pickles are really hard to pair, aren't they? But when it, the pickle has a sweetness to it, like, yeah, pickled herring or something, that would be light, nice. Um, because it's so light on the palate, it would be just lovely on its own. Um, but I also think, well, we were talking about this, like, on another episode about cheese. Cheese goes with everything, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm sure. Like, anything salty and fatty, because it's such high acidity. Um, yeah, it's going to go with something nice, sort of fatty, oily cheese. 
Yeah, that's lovely. That sounds great. It's <laughs> <laughs> mm. very nice. nice. Yeah, so, really nice. Had two whites. Are you more a white man or a red man? Again, I'm. It depends. <laughs> this is what happens when you start what... a wine business. <laughs> everything and anything at all times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Really, I like. I think since I met you, I've drunk more white wine. Yeah, um, it probably wasn't the obvious one I would go to, but again, I think there's probably more bad white wine on the market than there is bad red that might be a generalization no but... i think i remember a winemaker saying i think it's harder to make a good white than it is to make a red i think there's just more places to hide yeah with a red. that's with a red, right exactly. yeah. you can kind of go jammy and easy and you nice can to mask drink. it and yeah. mask things yeah yeah so <laughs> now i drink everything and i enjoy everything um but the, the point is, is they're massively different. So both of these are quite kind of citrusy and fresh, but first one's much oilier and richer and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, would stack up where you might think a light red would go quite well. That would probably go mm-hmm. quite well as well. For sure. Okay, well, let's let's try some red and we're going to try Sophia's first. But while Sophia pours the next wine, why don't you tell us a little bit about getting married last year? What wine did you serve at your wedding? I mean, I should probably talk about my wife, shouldn't I? Yes, definitely. Yes. Start with your wife and move on to the wine. <laughs> what would you like to say about your wife? <laughs> she, she's the love of my life. Oh, and it was, we'll it keep was that a, in. A wonderful day, um, obviously. Uh, but the wine was excellent um, as a small part of that overall day. Uh, what, which wines did you choose? We went for Rheims uh, Classic. 2014 which we bought out the rest of the vintage just to annoy ben and it's the single best english wine ever made and i will say that on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) um so the rest of it is all in in the calmine co office for us to occasionally open and something good happens which is great because amazingly we didn't get through all of it um but uh lisa's from russia and canada and her her mum and and stepdad live in italy so quite an international family yeah um, so we wanted to kind of showcase English wine nice. because to be, you can't really get it outside of England at the moment. So um, oh, that's cool. we want to do some English And it's something and, to be proud of. Like, yeah, absolutely. Doing so well over here. Like, yeah. Yeah, English I mean, particularly great. sparking. So yeah. um, rather than go for champagne or Prosecco or uh, something that everyone can get anywhere, uh, we, we did that and it went down a, an absolute treat. Did it? Oh, <laughs> it brilliant. Yeah. Um, and then with the mains, we had Woodchester who uh, recently uh, accoladed for their um, Sauvignon Blanc, but we had their Bacchus, uh, which is absolutely delicious. Um, and then on the reds, we had Karasebda. You did. I did. <laughs> uh, which is one of Ben's wines um, from Turkey, actually, which is a beautiful, uh, quite light, but lots going on, kind of herbaceous style red uh, with, with lamb, which mm-hmm. was amazing. Oh. Um, the Woodchester went with some crab, which I think was the best Sounds combination. It works really, really well. Nice. And we even persuaded um, Italian stepdad that English white wine is a thing and it's amazing. <laughs> and, and he now buys it or we, we take it over to him. Awesome. You're like, yeah, it's a whole industry. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. But as an Italian, he's like, no. Um, yeah. England, you can't make wine. You can but, make whiskey, and we go, that's Scotland. And then, <laughs> and then he's kind of stuck stuck there. But actually, yeah, he's now 
quite impressed and That's come cool. round to it because we've we've trialed a few English wines with him before and it hasn't quite landed. So there you go. There you Just needed to buy it from Ben. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a convert. <clears throat> okay, so for so, my, I think yeah, my wine's first because I guess it's lighter than yours. Yes, probably. yeah. It's quite what light. Have we got? So it's an organic whole bunch Pinot Noir from Austria, um, from Hannah Glatzer. And um, I chose this because I'm becoming more and more interested in low intervention winemaking. And, um, and basically, yeah, stuff that uses less chemicals in the vineyard and in the winery. Um, n- not from like so much of, um, I don't know, like... Basically, from a point of view where I want to taste like the purity of the grape. So yes, obviously being like sustainable and eco-friendly is really, really important. Um, Attracted to like the fact that it's organic as well. But yeah, like just from a wine lover's point of view, I really want to explore that more and um, taste what the winemaker um, feels that they're, the expression of the land is and uh, the expression of the, their grapes. And, <clears throat> you know, I just think they it just shows like this love and care of the whole process so that that's what what i'm kind of as a consumer being attracted to a little bit more these days um pinot noir i do i just love it like i, I love the classic expression from burgundy um i'm trying pinot noirs from all over the world i, I love chilean pinot noir uh, pinot noir from uh, oregon um canada so um it's yet yeah, really nice to get an austrian pinot noir and uh, yeah, organic, vegan, um, whole bunch press. I mean, Ben, you know lots about this wine because it's our novel. <laughs> Not that this is an advert for a novel, but. Yes, I, I, I like this wine a lot. I like what Hannah's doing. She got a small batch of fruit from Walter Glatzer, her father's farm, and she makes her own thing. And this is very much her personality in a glass, I think. And not to make the whole episode about sex, but I always <laughs> used to say that. <laughs> Pinot, Pinot Again, Noir. what is he going to say next? <laughs> Pinot Noir, I used, uh, used to mimic what people in the trade said, which was that it's the sexy grape. If you get a good Pinot, it should go with any food. It sleeps around a little bit with the food, right? Um, so... Another reason why it's called the heartbreak <laughs> yeah, grape. Yeah, exactly. There you go. So talking about Pinot Noir and its ability to go with anything, no pressure, best meal you've ever had. Have you got a favourite? Go for it. Uh, <laughs> I have, yeah, but it makes me sound really posh. <laughs> Go on. Go the best, on, the best meal us. I've ever had was at uh, Long Clue in Cartmel, which is Simon Rogan's Ooh. restaurant. Mm. And everything about it, including the service and the, the food and just how, how the whole thing was delivered was perfect. And I'd never kind of paid attention really to the service part as much. But they knew what you were going to do before you did it, and they were just absolutely on it to the point. And the food was exceptional, just as good as it comes. Um, yeah, really amazing. Cool. I probably had more simple, what like, amazing but what food did you moments have? I, as well. I want to know more about this one. So, would I mean, was it like a twelve-courser type thing? Or it was. Like... It was a. It was a light eight-course lunch. <laughs> and, uh, and, and like, any that was, standout that was, courses. The, the standout course was the main, which was a. Um, Interestingly, it was a Cornwall lamb. And I was like, there's sheep everywhere around here. Why are you buying a lamb from Cornwall? Uh, but it's because it's a particular type of breed and the right level of fat. And 
I think sheep kind of mature at different rates depending on how northerly you get in the country. So for the time of year that we were, didn't know there was a longitude latitude sheep farming thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look into it, I think they, they lamb everything. at different yeah, times. Yeah. So the further wow. north you get, yeah, the later the lamb. Yeah, it makes sense. It does make everything. Sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there you are. <laughs> you wonder if uh, it's the same with people. <laughs> Down the country. Mating season. Do we, do we mature uh, earlier period or something? <laughs> no, you've you brought it back to sex bed. <laughs> oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> Oh, um, and they did, uh, <laughs> back to the food, they did a beautiful, like, Kendall mint cake, which was presented as, as pebbles, basically. Uh, so, obviously, it's in Cartmel in the Lake District, so right next to uh, where Kendall mint cake comes from. Um, so, yeah, those two courses I remember particularly well. Wow. Oh, so, Fancy. remembering the lamb, then, drink the Pinot Noir, yes. would it go? I think what do you lamb. think? Do you think this is the perfect match with Cornwall lamb? Yeah. Hells, yeah. I like this yes, <laughs> little texture to it, right? It's nice. And it's kind of earthy and... It's really beautiful. Wine. It's lovely, actually. Yeah. Like, first of all, so attractive. The colour is beautiful, like this bright ruby, like with little garnet glints. Um, I love the bottle, like really minimal labelling, um, no annoying foil to throw away. Um, it's meant to be drunk young because um, see-through glass bottle, like it's not green, so like uh, the light will affect it over time. So drink it young. Um, it's not going to last long, is it? Twenty. Twenty, I think. Twenty twenty. Or twenty one. Twenty twenty. Yes. So designed to be drunk now. Um, yeah, and so drinkable. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Stick I mean that's down. that's. Spectacularly good, isn't it? Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I mean, that's really nice. Mm. Is it? Is it cast as a natural wine? It is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this so it's the best natural wine I've ever. Had. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Because I mean, natural wines are changing. They're definitely becoming more sophisticated. Less of that telltale funk sort of smell. Like it's like you said, you wouldn't even know this is a natural wine. I think the interesting thing is the funky natural wine. It was, it was had a thing because it was the innovative part. You mm. know, it was new. Now there's a lot of it. Some it's of it lost is bad some wine of making. That trend. Yeah, no, I know, but I mean, it's, it's lost. <laughs> it's lost the appeal of being new. Mm. So now people come. You've got to elevate the quality, bit. right? Yeah, and they want yeah. they want good natural yeah. wine. So I think um, you know people like Hannah, where it's a it's passion and love for the wine as opposed yeah. to a commercial venture at the moment because mm. it's new and, and growing i think you can taste the fact it's been looked after even though it's low yeah. intervention you can tell they've thought about it as yeah. opposed to it's, it's not low intervention it. from the fact of no winemaking yeah, it's exactly. low intervention in the vineyard and yeah. through care and yeah, yeah. attention yeah. look after your fruit yeah like now i think you know tastes change all the time mine certainly do but at the moment like I get so much enjoyment out of a bottle like this knowing a little bit about the backstory and um knowing that it's been made with such care and attention and passion and curiosity and all of that and yeah I could sit and sort of just yeah wax lyrical about how much you love it yeah <laughs> basically it's such a winning wine <laughs> So before you go head over here to the Pinot Noir, yes. let's talk about my red. <laughs> um, so I, 
I have a hundred-year-old vine um, carignan from south of France. Uh, this is the Alchemy project, which is a project to revive or like, continue with vineyards that are at least a hundred years old and pick low-yielding fruit with a special level of intensity. Um, carignan I usually find quite tannic and a bit austere, but here I think it's beautifully made in almost a Rioja kind of style or a Priorat style of red. Deeper, darker, got more purple character on there, a bit more tannin. Um, but yeah, this is hopefully be something a bit special. It smelled like Christmas cake as soon as I smelt it. I'm going to go back for a second mm. smell, but just. Yeah. Yeah, it's like baking spices, like nutmeg and cinnamon. Yeah. Well, you couldn't have picked something more different to the Pinot Noir, could you? I know, right? <laughs> so old vines, kind of, they're different all around the world, aren't they? Like, like that, the age, like to be called old vine. Um, do you know how old these vines are? They're over a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at me like, no, don't ask me this question. So the alchemy project is they have to be at least 100 years old. Okay. So they're all minimum 100 years. Um, I don't know how this particular thing uh, is. Why not then? <laughs> they can't be too much older, they? The thing is, when you're over 100 years old, you have some vintages where there's no crop at all. <laughs> When you are over 100, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how do you know? When you're over 100 years old, I mean, if you manage to propagate any seeds. Just... <laughs> oh my <laughs> God, he's going back to six again. I know. But you'll notice in here that there's an intensity to it that isn't from the oak, it's from the fruit. There's like really dried blackberry. Mm. There's some currants, there's some raisins, but it's not in the pruny world of sweetness. It's in this kind of just deep dark character um it is lighter than it looks as well yeah fresher than it looks perfect with food because one of the worst things mm. is when you have a really deep wine like this but it's heavy and then you have a heavy steak mm. and then you want to go to bed afterwards why not have something like this and it just matches marriages really well and then you can get up and go for a run the next day obviously dream world (laughs) here's an interesting question just because i know you're a gym enthusiast um which i've always found hard to connect with as someone who drinks so much wine (laughs) how do you keep that up and drink (laughs) because i'm quite new to this gym life um but there's a careful balance right well tend to go to the gym before drinking is a good starting point. <laughs> it's a good start, yeah. Yeah. Uh, try not to drink every day <laughs> is another one. Um, it's, a, it's a challenge in the wine industry. It's a challenge that I've found since starting. Um, when you because... say try not to drink every day, do you are you quite strict with that? Like no, no. But I, I thought you were going to say, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, every day. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you mean not at lunchtime, right? Um, it's one of those that when you're around something and you're passionate about it, you want to um, you want to try and taste it. It's not to get drunk or, or, or anything like that. It's just it's interesting and, and enjoyable. So uh, it's hard to kind of always fit it in. And I think I've got better at it since starting the business. So it's probably a point in time, particularly during the pandemic, where there was 
nothing else to do but drink wine. Um, <laughs> and the gyms were closed. But yeah, it's, it's definitely been a challenge. But I think, I mean, you, you, you like to work out when you do early in the morning. That's probably a good starting point because yeah. you hopefully haven't had a glass of wine at that point in the day. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's morning only yeah, for chunk, me. <laughs> chunk it out, put it in the diary as like, I'm specifically going to go at this time. And then okay. kind of stick to it, I think is the key. But not chunking out wine drinking days and wine no 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 yeah it's more the other way around (laughs) (laughs) are you also a gym enthusiast no no new um i recently bought skipping rope um so how many skips are you up to um 40 (laughs) oh (laughs) that just 40 i stopped basically i skip for 10 minutes a day yeah i used to jog um and apparently skipping for 10 minutes is the same as jogging for 30 minutes Oh. but better on your joints and, and and tones everything. So I've literally started like four days ago or something. So <laughs> ask me if in a couple of months if I'm still doing it. But I, th- I think I will because it's so easy. It's 10 minutes. But you don't just skip as well because I've seen you do a headstand. Oh, yeah. And I, I can't. Do <laughs> if you can stand. skip whilst doing a headstand. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds weird. That sounds like a headache. <laughs> Um, well, there you go. Definitely one not wine. to drink. Apparently, you can do. Yes, you can. <laughs> okay. um, this is a thinking wine. I need more time to a decide. A meditation on this wine, yeah. as the Italians sometimes say. I'm really confused. You're going to make me pick, aren't you? Yeah. Yes. So, you have had um, the Pichelli Yapignac from Turkey. <laughs> You then had the Bivo I just think you're positioning your wines. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, they're both, you know, ahead. Anyway, you've had the, the Bivo Rang Riesling from Sophia. You've had the Pinot Noir from Hannah Glatzer. And you've had the Alchemy 100-year-old Carignan. Yes. What is the winner? Who is the winner? <laughs> and no I just looking. have to pick. We have to do our thing where we don't look at... I mean, yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> choose your favorite how quickly do i have to choose my favorite? oh you this can, is really you hard go through them if you this if it'll really help you you can sort of like analyze them a bit one by one or how long have we got no um <laughs> i i thought the yap and yak was was interesting but probably my least favorite of the three so i'll start mm. there let's do that one okay this is X Factor. Oh, I know. Oh my God, that's such a dated <laughs> reference now. <laughs> Whatever the latest thing is. <laughs> Britain's Got Talent? Is that still going? Is that still going? I think the most interesting is the Alchemy one. Mm. I I've actually haven't tasted the Alchemy in a little while, and I really like it a lot more than I remember like it so I might have to buy a few <laughs> <laughs> and you've put the idea of me having a steak and drinking the rest mm, of that this evening mm, very nice but I think the one that I would buy and drink is the uh, Hannah Glatzer yes. rot Pinot yes, Noir yes, yes. damn it <laughs> <laughs> nothing to do with the fact we can her father's no, it's Eight not. And, and, um, <laughs> Don't you dare! It isn't. It isn't to do with that. It's just um, we tried this at the winery alongside a load of other wines. Oh, um, you know the winemaker. Last, I do know the winemaker. It's an um, inside joke that I apparently plugged that quite often. <laughs> <laughs> and 
yeah, just tasting it again now is the first time I've tasted it since then. It's it's lovely. It's really, really good. Mm. Better than I remember. But the reasoning was also uh, fantastic. Good one. So. To be fair, Pinot Noir and Riesling are my two favourite grape varieties. As you probably guessed from the sex chat. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, congrats, Sophia. Once Congratulations. Again on winning. Excellent podcast. Choice. Thank uh, you. That was a lovely Pinot I mean, Noir, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. I think Hannah has smashed it. Yeah. To be fair. Well done, Hannah. I will concede. The alchemy can win next time. <laughs> <laughs> you can enter that again. To be yeah. honest, they're all great. It's they a are, hard bunch really to pick good wines. Yeah. a winner out of. I, mean, I know I singled out the Yap and Yak, but actually I thought that was great too. Thank you very much. Well, they're all from Novel Wines. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ben chose them all, so I think there's one real winner here. <laughs> we'll keep that in. <laughs> um, all right, well, thank you very much, Simon, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's thank been fun. You. And you can buy the cans from cannedwine.co and lots of different retailers down the country. So next week we have Kim Murray, who is a former elite athlete for Skeleton GP, and very excited to chat to her about her favourite wines. That awesome. Be an exciting podcast. So cool. we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. 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 This was a podcast produced by Ben Frank's Wine and edited by Catherine Ag. To find out more, visit benfranks.wine.